here with us. We're thankful to have visitors, maybe more like family, but we're thankful for everyone being here today. Not too much, apparently. All right. Well, I would dare say that most lessons in most churches today will be on the resurrection of Christ. However, we know that every Sunday is special and we're, we're thankful to be able to gather on the Lord's Day and especially today. But we are in the middle of the series and so I'm going to continue my series today. We're talking about the home and the importance of the home and the importance of God in the home. And today's lesson is one that is geared toward every home that there is. It doesn't matter the makeup of the home. We understand that all of our homes need God in them. Whether it be a home of a married couple, a husband and a wife. Whether it be a married couple with children. Whether it be grandparents. Whether it be someone who is single. All of our homes need God in them. And this lesson really speaks to that. We're looking at what every home needs. Now when we ever, whenever we talk about the word need, we understand that it has a, a certain concept. There are certain things that we need. For instance, there are certain things that we need in order to survive. Food, clothing, and shelter, and things of that nature. And those things are very important to us because we need them. But sometimes that word need is applied to desires. We get it mixed in with our desires. Have you ever said, I really need to go see that movie? I really need to clean the house. I need to wash the car. And maybe various other sentences that we might say, that we might use the word need. And really, do we really need to go see a movie? Do we really need to clean the house? Do we really need to wash the car? Not necessarily. But those are things that we think that we need. We really need a new couch or a new television, a new computer. Maybe we need other types of furniture or appliances. Do we really need them? No, we just really want them. We think we need them, but not necessarily. So we have to be very careful about how we use the word need. But when we look at our lives. There are certain things that we need. And I'm not talking about food, clothing, and shelter. Those things are, are things that we do need. Maybe we don't need them all the time necessarily depending on where we are and, and what we're doing but, but those are things that we need in order to survive. We can't survive without those three things. But our lesson's focus today is on what we truly need. More so than the basic necessities. 
And I return to the question that I've been asking for the last couple of weeks. Is God in your home? We must understand that we need God in our homes. Every home is in need of the things we're going to talk about today. Every home needs, first of all, the Bible. I want you to think in your own life and in your home. What is it that you value the most? Is it your furniture or appliances? Making sure that anybody that comes to visit has a good impression of your home. Is that the most important thing to you? Is the most important thing, the thing that you value the most, your connection to the outside world? Even within the home, we are connected to the outside world by certain things such as television, our computers, the internet, things of that nature. Is that the most valuable possession? Is that the thing that you use the most in your home? Is the most valuable thing in your home your transportation? The, the ability to go here and there and wherever. I tell you, we've been in several situations where we've been down to maybe one car and maybe one of us has it and you, the other one is stuck at home or maybe asking mom for a ride. I've done that before. Transportation is pretty valuable. Is that the most valuable thing that you have in your home? Is it legal documents or guns or other things that may be found under a lock and key? Are those the most valuable things to you? you know, it's hard to do anything without a birth certificate or something like that. Is that the most valuable to you? Whatever it is that you may think of in your home that is the most valuable to you, have you ever thought, that may be even the things that are most valuable to us or maybe the least valuable of all of our possession. And what if someone were to break into your home and steal these things? Could you survive without them? Or what if they were destroyed due to a fire or some other disaster that destroys your home. Could you live without them? What would happen to them if you were to die? If you were to leave this world? What would happen to those possessions that you have? The things that you consider the most valuable? I, I remember hearing a story a few years ago in preaching school. There's a man that, and I don't know how true this is, but there was a man in this story, and, and he was very rich. He had a, a lot of things. He had a lot of money. And one of the things that he desired whenever he died, he had a nice new Cadillac. And what he, did, what he asked for was that they place him in this Cadillac when he died. 
leave the engine running, put all of the money that he had in the trunk, and to bury him in that Cadillac with the air conditioner on high. That was what he asked for. How long do you think that lasted? If they followed through with it. You see, these things that we consider valuable are really not as valuable as we might think. Now let me ask you another question. If I were a guest in your home, where would I find a copy of the Bible? Would I find a copy of the Bible? But if I were to come into your home as a guest, would I find a, a Bible open somewhere in the living room, maybe on a coffee table? Would it be easily spotted? Or would I find your Bible by snooping around your bookshelf? Maybe hidden in a corner somewhere. Maybe collecting dust. Where would I find a Bible in your home? The Bible is the most valuable of all of our possessions. You may not realize that, but it is the most valuable of all the things that we have. I've heard of soldiers that go into battle and their uniform and tucked inside is a copy of the New Testament. That's what gets them through difficult times. You see it in a hotel room. Uh, open a drawer. There's a Gideon's Bible probably in there. But the Bible is the most valuable of our possession. See, the words of the Bible teach us. They teach us about our Creator. They teach us about what He desires for our lives. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible teaches us what is necessary for spiritual salvation. Acts 2 verses 37 and 38. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us what we need to know to be ready for judgment and eternity. Mark chapter 13 beginning with verse 32 says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, take heed, watch and pray. For you do not know when the time is. Verse 35, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. We don't know when judgment is, but we know that it's coming. We know that we need to be ready 
The Bible teaches us that. The words of the Bible are the most important words we could ever read or hear. Just look at Psalm 119. Don't have time to read all of it, but look at a few verses here that are found in that chapter. Verse 11 of Psalm 119. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 16. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 50. This is my comfort in affliction for your word has given me life. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. In regard to the kingdom of heaven, told this in Matthew chapter 13, Verses 44 through 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. <clears throat> Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The things of God are to be precious and treasured. And so, the Word of God is to be precious and treasured. It tells us everything that we know or need to know for our lives. I remember hearing over and over again. I often wondered how it was. But I remember our preacher saying over and over as I grew up, the Bible is your blueprint for life. And I don't remember ever finding any blueprints in here. But you know, he was right. The Bible contains everything that we need. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. So every home needs a Bible. Something else that every home needs. Godly leadership. Every home needs godly leadership. We looked at this passage last week in our sermon on marriage. But let's look at it again. Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 22. And in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22, we find that we have certain words that are spoken to us about marriage and the importance of marriage in the home. Ephesians 5:22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. There are two main points that are given regarding marriage in this passage. First of all, wives are to be submissive to their own husbands. And we talked about last week, this is not outdated. This is the way that God has laid out for the home to be. And where do wives learn submission? Husbands are to be the head of the home, just as Christ is head of the church. Where do husbands learn headship in the home? Godly leadership in the Bible. See, God's structure for the home is learned in His Word. Husbands are to lead their wives and children in the ways of God. Good leadership in the home prepares these men for leadership in God's church. Notice what is said in 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop or an elder, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Verse 4 says, One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Wives are submissive to the leadership of their husbands. Wives have a certain duty in the home. Now, this does not mean that husbands are the sole decision makers in the home. They're not. A godly husband will treasure his wife's thoughts and opinions. When the husband makes a decision, wives are to submit to his authority and respect him as the head of the home. And husbands earn the respect of their wives through their own love and kindness toward them. 
children are also to submit to the leadership of their parents. Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Fathers earn respect, the respect of their children, by being respectful, not wrathful, leading them in the right way. Now there may be times that the structure of the home may need to be altered to some degree. Maybe it's because a husband has passed away and the wife is left caring for the children. She has to lead the children in the right way. Maybe a husband and wife pass away leaving their children to another family, another home. Whatever the case may be, whatever the leadership of the home may be, leadership should always look to God. Leadership of the home should always look to God. And if we look to God, then, then our home will be what God wants it to be. Every home needs godly devotion. Let's start with prayer and thanksgiving. Those things are important in the home. Do you pray for your home? Do you pray for your spouse? Do you pray for your children? Now we should pray for our homes and those in them. We should pray like Hannah of the Old Testament. 1 Samuel. We're told that Hannah, first of all, prayed for a child. She desired a child and she took that desire to God and she prayed about it. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 10 and 11. And we find out that later on she prayed when the child was granted her in 1 Samuel 2 verses 1 through 11. She gave God thanks. And she dedicated her son to his service. We should pray like Solomon. Though it is not in regard to his home, he prayed for wisdom to lead God's people. First print, or First Kings chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. You know, as leaders in our homes, we need to pray that we have the wisdom to lead in the ways of God. We need to pray in thanksgiving for all that God has blessed you with. Do you pray when you gather around the dinner table? Giving thanks to God for the meal that is before you. Teach your children to pray. Or grandchildren as that may be. As Jesus taught His disciples in Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 through 15. 
We need to teach those in our homes how to pray. In worship and devotionals, do you attend the services of the church regularly? Do you teach your children the importance of worship? Hebrews 10 verses 23 through 25, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking, not abandoning the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do we teach our children the importance of worship? I read an article not too long ago. And it was discussing the question of why so many churches are losing members. Why when children grow up, they often leave the home and also leave the church. Why does this happen? And it was suggested that maybe this happens because we haven't done enough to teach our children the importance of worship. When we attend a ball game or a concert or something else in place of attending services of the church, they see that it's okay to miss. They see that it's okay to, to sacrifice the service now and then. Maybe for some sporting event or, or something else. But when we teach our children that they can miss church, that they can miss assembling with the saints, for school programs and things of that nature, that's when they learn that it's not that important. That's when they leave the church. So we need to teach our children. We need to teach them the importance of assembly. Regular devotionals in the home. Study with your children and pray with them. Teach your children that God is important to their daily lives. And it'll be a lesson that they never forget. The things that we have discussed today are the things that we need in every home. Every home needs the Bible. Every home needs godly leadership. Every home needs daily prayer and devotion within our own personal lives, within the lives of those around us, in the lives of those we live with. And so I ask again, is God in your home? Is God in your home the way that He needs to be? We need God in our homes every hour of every day. Without God, we are subjecting our homes and children to seeking worldly but temporary pleasure. We are subjecting them to bitterness and anger. We are subjecting them to immorality. We are subjecting them to, ultimately, eternal loss. Do you want those in your home to be eternally lost in judgment?
those are the things that we want to be far away from our homes. But often are invited in unaware. But with God, with God, our homes are filled with peace, joy, love, good morals, and kindness. And those within our homes, if God is in our home, then those within our homes will lead faithful lives of service. We hope. They make their own decisions whenever they grow older. But we hope to instill in them the principles and the teachings that will lead them to salvation and eternity in heaven with the one who made us and gave us life. Isn't that what we want in our homes? Don't you want peace in your home? Don't you want good morality in your home? Don't you want God in your home? I hope that God is in our homes. But maybe that's not the case for one reason or another. And maybe it's for something that we have neglected or something that we have done wrong. You know, having God in our homes begins with us as individuals. Having God within us. Having God within our lives becomes by becoming, it begins by becoming a Christian. We do so by obedience to the plan of salvation. By faith, repenting, confessing Christ to be the Son of God, being baptized for the remission of our sin. And once we have begun that walk as a Christian, we continue in a faithful life of service. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've not obeyed the gospel. Maybe you have, but maybe you've not continued in faithfulness. Maybe you need to return to God. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for something you've done or simply for prayer on your behalf. But I ask you again, is God in your home? Is God in you? Is Christ living in you? I hope that He is. But if not, if you need to put on Christ today, or if you need to come back, then we give you the opportunity to come as we stand and as we sing.